just a few moments, uh, we are going to have our, our message uh, that's delivered today. Uh, but I thought it'd be helpful for you to know uh, a little bit of what be went behind this message because to be totally honest with you, uh, we discussed kind of scrapping our Practicing the Way series. We thought about it. We thought, hey, there's so much going on. Maybe we should just totally scrap this series about focusing on Jesus and the practices that he used in his own personal life. And maybe we just need to deal with all that's going on. And we talked about it. And I just want you to know that, you know, we decided against that. Because at the end of the day, if fixing our eyes on Jesus and if trying to imitate the way he lived his life doesn't help us, then we're in trouble. And, and quite honestly, as, as Bob alluded to, uh, when you look at Jesus' life, when he was able to respond in really intense situations or when he was literally trying to be trapped into saying something, and we read those moments where Jesus said the right thing or he, even his anger was in the right way, he, he somehow knew how to do that. How? Just because he had a good quiet time that particular morning? I don't think so. It's because he had practiced a way to live with God so that he was equipped to go into a world that ultimately would kill him unjustly as his mother watched feet away. And he could pray for those people that were, do, were doing it to him. How do you get to that place? You have to figure out how to connect with God. And that's what this series is all about. So we're not going to scrap the series. We believe it will actually help us. The other thing I wanted to share is when we went through the schedule, uh, it was Chase's turn to preach this Sunday. It was his turn. And, uh, and quite honestly, he's been really focusing on this topic in his own personal life even before all this stuff happened. But we discussed it. Maybe we should have one of the black brothers preach. Maybe Kendall should preach. Maybe I should preach. At this time, you know, racial tensions, maybe it'd be good for everyone to hear from a black brother. We thought about it. We talked about it. But then again, what precedent does that set? So every time something racial happens, we got to get one of the black guys to talk about it. Those are the only people that can speak to it and open up God's word. So we didn't know if that was the best precedent to set either. And quite honestly, I've shared, I shared Friday night to the campus. I've shared multiple times. Kendall just shared. The sermon is not the only platform from which to speak. And quite honestly, to be totally real, I think it's been refreshing to see uh, some of the younger set, some of the white folks out there speaking and, and being a part of things. And so quite honestly, we felt like we're going to keep it the way it is. And I'm excited because, you know, honestly, Chase, I want to hear from him, honestly. But also earlier this week, Chase, you know, hollered at me, hey, Jeff, you want to go to this protest I'm going to? I'm like, let's do it, man. You know, and so I appreciated his invitation. And uh, so there, me and Chase were standing alongside of each other at a peaceful protest. And so I just, I know that this topic is something he's been really delving into anyway. And I believe we need to hear from him because people like Chase, in many ways, are key to our future as a church and as a nation. <laughs> and so I just hope that we can have the heart uh, to listen to him, to pay attention, and to open your heart. So looking forward to hearing from my brother Chase. Appreciate you. Thanks, Jeff. Love you, bro. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a, I know, a, a crazy uh, few weeks. It's been very difficult for so many people. Um, and honestly, words, words fall short. Um, you know, when, when you just think about how terrible the things are in our country, the things that have been done. And, you know, I appreciate so much Bob and Kendall and Diane, uh, what, what you guys shared today already. Um, 
and the diversity training that they've done at this church. Two years ago, I started the diversity training, and it changed my life forever. That's not an, un I mean, that's not uh, an exaggeration. That is true. It set me on a path that I wasn't on before because I didn't realize so much. I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was the first time that, you know, I started learning about what white privilege is. That was the first time I started learning about what white fragility, white comfortability, and how I have those things, how that's been a part of my life. I had no idea. I was oblivious and ignorant, in some ways unintentionally, but in some ways, to my shame, I say intentionally. But when they started to educate me, and then when I started to educate myself, I was, I was changed. And I still have a long way to go, but I'm beginning to understand more. I'm beginning to feel more. And so when the things in the news started happening with Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, and then thinking about the people who weren't filmed, and thinking about the history of oppression, thinking about the systemic racism and discrimination that exists in our country, in our institutions, and in ourselves. I got angry. I was heartbroken. I was disgusted. And I know that my experience of that as a white person is nothing compared to what my brothers and sisters of color feel. I can only imagine. But I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to understand more. And I've been asking myself the hard questions. You know, like it's been talked about, what do I do about it? How am I supposed to respond? And obviously, I'm a Christian. So, you know, for all of us who said Jesus is Lord, we signed up for the fact that he is our Lord, he is our Savior, he is our King, our Master, our Rabbi. We learn from him. He, we are his apprentice. And so I need to look to him for what to do. And we know Jesus faced a lot, as, as has been shared. We know that the society that Jesus was in was full of racism. It was full of oppression and discrimination and boundaries and division and imperialism. That was Jesus' world. And Jesus took that on. He confronted it. He confronted the individuals. He confronted the institutions. He loved people revolutionarily. He reached across the boundaries, and he did not shy away. And ultimately, he took all of it on himself on the cross. How did he do it? I believe in large part it was because he went to be alone with God. It was through silence and solitude. The crazy world around him, he needed to hear from his father. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about silence and solitude, this spiritual discipline. And basically, it's very simple. It's intentional time alone in the quiet to be with yourself and God. And it's, it's not a new thing, but it's very profound. It's very important. And I believe it's something that is missing, something that's lost on so much of our society. And so many people have helped me with this. I've had amazing conversations with people like Kyle Walker, who's told me about times he's had with Steve Brand. I've talked with Jim Long. He's trained many of us in this. Had an amazing conversation with Greg Dillon, 
who taught me such great insights. I've had amazing conversations with Jeff and Matt Cheer. Resources like Dallas Willard's books, Spirit of the Disciplines, Divine Conspiracy, which I'm reading right now. Life-changing stuff. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Every Christian should read it, I believe. We talked about John Mark Comer and practicingtheway.org and Marty Solomon who came and, and taught also with Bema. All of these people have been practicing these things. It's revolutionized their relationship with God. They've taught me, I've applied it, and it's revolutionized my relationship with God. And I just think it's so important that we look to Jesus for everything and learn how to follow him better. And so we're going to look at a scripture here in Matthew chapter 4, if you guys want to turn there. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread that comes from the mouth of God. So what happened there? The noise drowned out the word of God. God's word was being spoken, but we couldn't hear it because of the noise. Is that not the struggle that we all face each and every day? That God wants to guide us God wants to help us and teach us and mold us and let us know that we're not alone and that he's with us. And we can't hear it. We can't hear it because there's so much noise in our life. I got three kids. We got a five-month-old baby. It's crazy. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of mom and dad, I'm hungry, I'm bored. I mean, over and over again, you try to get some time alone and you're just interrupted. I mean, morning and late at night, is the only time that there's quiet in the house. And it doesn't matter if you have kids or not, right? I mean, we just live in a noisy society that's full of distractions, whether it's your job, whether it's you just walk outside and there's just the hustle and bustle of everything in our modern society. And Jordan's talked about technology, done a great job just spelling out how if you have a smartphone or even if you don't, I mean, social media and Netflix and the news and everything is just constantly getting in our grill, you know what I mean? Just like constantly trying to distract us. And the only way to get away is to actually go and be alone with God. And Jesus did this. I mean, Jesus' world was crazy too. All kinds of people needing him and wanting him and asking him and trapping him. I mean, he knew he needed to get away. So let's read this scripture for real. And we'll pick it up at the end of chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Notice the same Spirit that just came on him. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
You have the situation where Jesus was baptized and the Spirit of God actually came down and rested on him. And a voice from heaven is giving him the validation, right? I mean, he's giving him all the credibility in the world. You are my son. With you I am well pleased. There's a crowd hearing this. This is the time to go and maximize and capitalize on this momentum and go and start this life-changing, world-changing movement. But no. Instead, he is led into the wilderness. He is led to be alone. And I believe it was in part at least to be prepared by the Spirit of God to face the testing, to face the temptation, to face all the crazy sin and injustice around him that he confronted. And we know that Jesus goes on to be triumphant and victorious against Satan and evil and temptation. And he's using the word of God to do it. He's been saturated with the spirit of God for 40 days and he is ready. And really his whole life he's been saturated in it. This was just one instance. And we see over and over again in his life he went to what is called the Eremos. When you see wilderness, when you see solitary place, when you see lonely places in the Bible talking about Jesus, it's this word that means solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited. It was part of his everyday life. We see in the Gospels over and over again, in all four Gospels, it's recorded that Jesus regularly just went away. He withdrew When he heard about John the Baptist, his cousin beheaded, he got away. When he was feeling stressed out by the crowds or just exhausted, he went away. He went away with his disciples too. He knew they needed it. And he got away with God regularly. And then we see it with his disciples. You know, we know about the conversion of Paul in Acts chapter 9, this amazing thing where Paul goes on to become the most amazing missionary in the world. By the way, breaking down racial boundaries too. And we don't know exactly what happened when you read Acts in that interim period, but he tells us in Galatians 1, it says, but when God who sent me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles... My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus, and he goes on. He talks about right away, he did not go to other people when Jesus revealed himself. He went to be alone. He went to be further taught by Jesus in Arabia, in the desert, because he knew he needed to be trained and taught alone before he was with other people. And then Peter, right? Peter just had it in his head that he was supposed to be preaching to the Jews. He didn't really understand that the gospel was for all nations. And so we read in Acts 10, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Why did he go up on the roof? Because there wasn't anybody else up there. You know, he needed to be alone. And what did God show him? an amazing vision about how he needs to get out of his comfort zone and he needs to go and preach to Cornelius, a Roman, not his people. 
and to share his faith in the gospel with him. This is what Jesus' disciples were about. And we see this over and over again in the lives of so many followers of Jesus over the past 2,000 years. This is absolutely vital that we go to hear from God. And there's some amazing quotes. A.W. Tozer, if a man wants to be used by God, he cannot spend all of his time with people. It's great to be around people. I mean, the gospel is for people. We're supposed to be around people, but we gotta be alone with God. I mean, he's the one that's guiding us. He's the one that's shaping us and molding us. If we don't stop, how are we gonna hear from him really? And then Will Schwab, the greatest gift you can give anyone is your undivided attention. Isn't our attention divided all the time? I mean, I feel that. Like, we're trying to take care of our kids, we're trying to take care of our wife and our household, our job, our work, our family, our stresses, our troubles. Our attention is divided, but we're following God. He is our number one. We gotta give him our undivided attention sometimes, or else how is he gonna really help us in our walk with him? I love this quote by Henry Nouwen. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. We know that our society is trying to mess us up, (laughs) that the enemy is using every means necessary to get us to fall and to lie to us. And he's using the culture. He's using the media. He's using the TV shows and the music and our very own heart to make us fall and to believe his lies about who we are, created in God's image, all of God's promises about us. He doesn't want us to believe it. And if we stay in it, then how are we going to get out of it? How are we going to hear from him? We're going to remain victims. We're going to remain entangled, and we're not going to hear the voice of God. I think so many people, so many times I talk to people, and they're like, I just don't really feel God's presence. I just don't know if God is really there for me. And the question we need to ask ourselves are, are we there for him? (laughs) Like, are we getting away from all of the noise to be able to be alone with him. I think this is so much about what the Christian walk is all about. God is speaking. Are you listening? Are we listening? We need to ask ourselves that question. You know, there's been some amazing times in my life where I really feel like I was alone with God intentionally and he spoke to me. I really believe he he put something on my heart he put something on my mind that was profound and life-changing. You know, a few years ago, I was out at the Swamp, which is our camp uh, that we do, and Jeff Rohrbach did the Starlight Devotional, under the stars, obviously, and, and he had us all just go away into the field alone. Just get out by yourself and just take some time with God. And I walked out, and I closed my eyes, and I turned my head up, And then I opened my eyes, and this is what I saw. Just stars. 
No clouds, no moon. It was incredible. And the first thing that I felt was you are not alone. I felt that God was telling me through the stars, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. I really felt like they were telling me that God is here, that God is with you. And it was a closeness and an intimacy that I had never felt before, honestly, even after being a disciple for two decades almost. There was another time I was walking through the woods at uh, Gold Branch Trail over near Roswell. And I was reading uh, the scriptures by the river for a while. And, and then I just started walking through the woods. And actually, Kyle Walker told me a time where he was walking through the woods and would just ask God, like, what do you want to say to me? So I did that. We were feeling a lot of stuff in our family. At that time in our life, there was a lot going on. And I just asked God, what do you want to say to me? And I just listened as I walked. And then this thought came into my mind in this, like, sudden way. Like, it didn't originate from me. Like, it was from somewhere else. And the thought was very simple, which is, listen to your wife. I listen to my wife, hopefully, other times. <laughs> but but that, I feel like I, when I heard that, I just, like, stopped. Literally stopped in my tracks, and I was like, whoa. Maybe I haven't been listening to my wife like I should. God, is this what you want? And, and so I did. It, it began a series of conversations, a series of decisions that was vital for our family, that was vital for our life, and we're benefiting now from that moment where I decided to be alone with God. I mean, I'm not, I've not figured this out. I mean, I'm still just as trapped sometimes and just as like entangled and letting things get in the way, but I'm trying, and I feel like God has taken me on this journey. You know, most recently, I was, uh, it was about a week ago, Saturday night, and, you know, we, we saw what happened with George Floyd. And the protests were going on. And I was having conversations with, earlier that day, I had a, a conversation with my brother Kyrie, who's African-American up in uh, New Jersey. He was telling me about what he was feeling. I was processing a lot. And I was like, I just need to go and be alone with God. So I went on my back deck. This is my actual back deck here. And I, I just was praying and I was reflecting and I was asking God, what do you want to say to me? And the phrase that came on my heart was, enough is enough. That I had learned, I had educated myself, still had a long way to go in that process. I had seen what was going on. I, have heard, I had heard from my brothers and sisters, like our prayer night on Thursday night, where people are pouring out their hearts. I was hearing these things. I was feeling these things. But what was I doing about it? Was I doing enough? And the scriptures that God put on my heart were scriptures like Micah 6.8, in that moment, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. I started thinking about other scriptures, like Isaiah 1.17, learn to do right, seek justice. Like, it's obviously vital that we act justly, but God expects his people to seek justice. And we can't just stop at something. We have to actually seek it. You know, Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. Was I speaking up about it? 
Many times, no. Just settle back into my white comfortability, just go on with business as usual. No, enough is enough. And so I went to some protests last week, like Jeff mentioned, and I, I took my daughters to one on Friday night, trying to teach them, and I held a sign that said, seek justice, Isaiah 117. And I'm trying to speak up about what's going on, because I cannot sit back. Enough is enough. And I had some amazing conversations with some of my brothers and sisters of color, like Brandon Lennon. He is an amazing brother, a friend of mine, African-American. He helps us in the teen ministry. And he was on a call with a bunch of us other teen leader guys last week. And he's speaking to a bunch of white guys. And he said, guys, if you ever struggle to feel the pain of it all, just think about if something were to happen to me. Think about if I were to disappear, wrongfully imprisoned, wrongfully killed, he said that he drives to work through a, a police hub and he's afraid every day. And I thought, if something were to happen to Brandon, I would not rest until something was done for justice for him. And all of my brothers and sisters of color, I mean, I'm looking around at this room right now. And we haven't opened up the church, but we have an amazing worship and tech team. Think about Jeff. Think about Kendall and Diane. Think about John and AP and Marissa and KJ and Stan and Michelle. Think about Matt and Brandy. These are my brothers and sisters. If anything were to happen to them, I would not rest. I was talking to Brandy. He said that he understands when he goes into a situation that someone is likely to see him first as a security threat before they see him as a human. That is the burden that my brother carries. And so many of my brothers and sisters of color, our brothers and sisters of color, Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's the burden. I can't tell them that's not their burden. That's their burden. It's clear. Am I carrying it? Am I doing anything about it? We know that Jesus said the greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love? Doesn't the scripture say, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth? I've learned that I need to take action. And honestly, I'm ashamed at how long it's taken me to understand that. That Jesus was a man of action. When something was wrong, he overturned the tables. And you know, we showed that scripture or that story in the River Kids segment. And yes, people were disrespecting God, but people were stealing from people. People were treating others unjustly. And Jesus said, enough is enough. And he stood up against it. And this is what we need to be about. That if we love each other, that if we are the multiracial, multi-ethnic body of Jesus, that we need to do something about it. That we need to love as Jesus loved. That we need to be people of action, people that come together, 
This is what we can be about if we let God speak to us. Because we hear a lot of messages, right? We hear a lot of things all over the news and in the world, in the media, but we need to go to Jesus for our direction. God is speaking. Are we listening? And if we listen, I truly believe that God will change the world through us, that we will stand together as a body of Christ. And if I call myself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and I don't listen to him and I don't do what he did, I am a hypocrite. Plain and simple. That's just facts. And so I want to encourage all of us, we need to make room because it's hard. Everything in our life, everything that we carry, no matter who we are, we carry stuff and we're distracted by things and things are pulling us away from God. And so we need to make room. We need to carve it out. You know, there's some amazing practicals from Richard Foster here. I can't go through all of them in detail for time's sake, but these resources are available on our website uh, in this series. But experimenting with different things, waking up at different times. You know, for me, it's like at the end of the day, sometimes I just want to watch Netflix. But there have been times where I'm like, you know what, let me just not watch Netflix tonight. <laughs> let me just go out on my back deck. Let me just sit, let me just sit in, my, in a room alone and be quiet and ask God and invite his guidance to teach me. And maybe you need to change up your workout routine. You know, I used to listen to something every time that I ran, and then recently I decided not to listen to something and just run in the quiet alone. And, and I can think and I can process, I can pray, I can hear from God. That is what we need to do. We need to make room. And I do believe that if we make room, that God will guide us, that he will show us what we need to do if we ask him to guide us and to show us the way of Jesus as we walk in his footsteps and practice his way. Let's make room for him. Let's pray. God, we need you desperately. We know that we are distracted. We know that we are pulled away in so many ways, all the time. God, I pray that we would make room, that we would make you our priority, our number one, and that you would guide us and teach us, and that we would change the world through you. We love you in Jesus.